to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. It's not college basketball. It's Clarence. Let's get ready to rock. Adamantium Adam, what night is it tonight? It is Friday night. That's yeah. right. It's just another Friday night, and this is the Just Another Friday Night podcast. I am one of your hosts, CM Chuck, and with me, as always, as I said earlier, unbreakable Adamantium Adam. Hey, good evening, Friday Nighters. Good to be back again. Yes, it sure is good to be back. Uh, Adamantium Adam, what happened in this past week? To tell me, uh, tell me some things. Uh, you know, it was a pretty rough week, but uh, we got we posted a lot of stuff about our Comic Con weekends. It looked like it was pretty positive. Yeah, and uh, we even got a few likes on our Twitters and Instagram. Okay, great, great. I always like to hear and know about who's liking us uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. Sometimes it's Adam, Adam, Adam doing it. Sometimes it's me doing it. Sometimes he'll see who likes it first or whatever. But um, give, who do we got? Who do we got? Let's hit. Okay, it. so one of the guys is uh, Bob Layden. He's considered uh, the definitive Iron Man artist. Uh, his probably the one that you probably see all the time is the Demon in the Bottle cover. Yeah, very Tony Stark, very you know? famous cover. Tony looking in the mirror, all sweaty. This yeah. is not your Robert Downey yeah. Jr. Tony Stark guys. This mm-hmm. is uh, this is hard drinking. It's yeah. <laughs> flying around yeah. in that suit. Tony yeah. Stark is really boozed up. There. Um, yeah, so check his stuff out. Uh, he always does some pretty cool drawings of Iron Man too on his Twitter, awesome. and he says he does commissions too. So very check cool. him out. Very yeah. Cool. Uh, Billy Madison, our uh, radio host that we have here in 99.5 KISS, and they are syndicated in a lot of other states. He uh, liked our tweet, too. That's right. That's right. Regarding his uh, uh, horror con. Yeah. So he... one year he put on a Terra Expo with uh, Apple De La Fuente, the Admiral City Comic Con dude. So, yeah, he, you know. Yeah. Billy Madison, if you're listening, then uh, bring back that Terra Expo, man. I need yeah. to meet Elvira in full costume <laughs> as well. You know what I mean? Uh, Comic Belusa liked ours. Alamo City Comic Con again liked ours. Uh, this was a big thrill for me. Brian Michael Bendis, Oof. you know, so we're big comic book fans. So yes, he liked the uh, you know tweet I posted and uh, the comic book he signed me. It was a Daredevil. Uh, I love his Daredevil run, very legendary run. So did you get him to sign it at the pop up? Yes, I don't yes. remember you getting that one signed. Yeah, yeah, we got the honor of meeting uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Jim Lee in the same day at a DC, DC. Comics pop up <laughs> in Austin uh, during South by. Yes, the yeah, South by South by Southwest. One day that it was freaking hot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that whole week had been cold, oddly, and and we live in a city and in a in a state where the weather is insane. But um, yeah, so that, what a day for us to meet those two in the same day. But awesome, Brian Michael Bendis liked something that we yeah, put up. Yeah. Cool. Um, the Brian O'Halloran, Halloran. That's right, Brian, Brian O'Halloran. Yeah. Okay, Dante from Clerks. <laughs> Dante from Clerks and Gil Hicks from uh, Mallrats. Also, <laughs> nice, very nice. Yeah. But uh, yes, Brian O'Halloran. I met him at Alamo City Comic Con. Super nice guy. Signed my Clerks. 10 year anniversary DVD. Cool. Thank you for liking, uh, for liking Dante. Appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, a comic book team that I like, uh, JM DeMathis and Mike Zek. They both, uh, liked what I had posted about their, their story that, uh, I'm about to talk about pretty soon. That's right. So they both liked that. So that was, again, was a big thrill for me for being a comic book guy. Yeah, that was a big thrill yeah. for me. Very cool. You're going to talk a little bit more about them in a, in a few minutes here. Um, 
but that's very awesome yeah. to get all that there. So we want to thank everyone that took the time to read something we wrote online. And, and uh, we hope that you'll go out there and do the same, right? Right. And, some and to everyone else, everyone else too, as well. Not just these celebrities, uh, everyone else too. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. If you're out there, you're listening, you're enjoying the show, please let us know. We want to hear from you too. And we want to shout you out on the show as well. So um, it's always a thrill for us to uh, hear from our fans and, and read the things you guys are, I've got to say and got to offer up. And in fact, it brings us to our topic for today is uh, comes based straight off one of the reviews written on Facebook um, by Roxanne Holt. Um, she said that she really loved when we talked about comic book things um, that she didn't know about. And we would get further into the characters and what the stories are about, kind of filling in the uninformed audience um, and that she would like to hear what are our favorite comic books. And we had a discussion about this and we were like, wow, it's kind of a loaded question. Yeah, right? Where it do really you go? Is. You know, do you mean favorite comic book character? Do you mean favorite comic book arc, story? Anyone out there in the comic book world knows that when you're talking comics, it's not like you just say like, I like Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> what does that mean? There's been a dozen different Spider-Men. There's a dozen different arcs. You know, where do you go? Um, so we had to kind of talk about this and break down how we thought it was going to be best approached. So um, Adam Antium Adam, I think, is going to talk about an arc that he likes uh, from a very well-known character. And I'm going to talk about um, my favorite book of all time, which is it's easy for me to do it because this series began and ended. Um, it started in 1995 and it, it was done by 2000. Uh, it was a total of 75 issues with 66 regular issues yeah. that means there were 66 of the issues with just the regular yeah you know this uh, no specials no one shots just the the whole story one through 66 exactly. but let me yeah. tell you this story to me is so beloved and i love it so much read all 75 issues because they're fun fun mm -hmm. fun um and what i'm talking about is preacher preacher written by garth ennis drawn beautifully by Steve Dillon covers by Glenn Fabry. Um, most, almost all the covers, some of the one shots um, and the side stories are, are done by different artists. Um, but um, in the regular run of preacher uh, was always done by Steve Dillon and, um, and the covers always done by Glenn Fabry. And of course, internals by Garth Ennis. Um, preacher to me is just an amazing, amazing story. I remember first hearing about it from, uh, a co a classmate in high school. <laughs> I must've been in uh 10th or 11th grade. So this is like, you know, the nineties, okay. you know, I'm reading, you know, understanding now the book came out in 95. I must've got on board with me like 96, 97. 96, okay. and, and I remember me and you were avid readers of wizard magazine. Right? Yes. And it was consistently yes. number one. Right. Yes. And we were like, what book is this? Yes. Like it was beating out, you know, the stuff that we loved, which was, you know, x-men and yeah, Marvel man superman yeah. batman yeah. you know and we're like who, who what is this book yeah. whatever from vertigo you know what i mean we were like vertigo we probably didn't even know that it was a dc imprint yeah uh, yeah the rated know? r imprint yeah, yeah the rated r imprint you know what i mean and um i'm so glad that a guy named ben warlick um ben if you're out there again thank you man and i hope that you are listening somewhere but um <laughs> he said check this out he gave me a, a Two trade paperbacks to read. One was called Gone to Texas, okay. Preacher Gone to Texas, and the other one was called uh, Preacher um, Until the End of the World. And I believe he gave me one other book. It might have been like a, The Authority or whatever. I'd never read The Authority oh. before or whatever. <laughs> those, those characters. Uh, wasn't too crazy about that one. Um, although later on, Garth Ennis would write a story about the Midnighter, which was pretty pretty cool. Oh, okay, okay. But, I didn't uh, know he dipped his hand in there too. Yeah, yeah, he sure <laughs> did. He sure did. Uh, 
But uh, as for the other two books, and it, these are two that, so the comic's been out a little while because they've already made two collected editions by the time I get my nice, hands on nice. I read these and I'm just blown away at them. Like, I'm like, man. Now, why are you blown away? Well, number one, it's a very non-traditional story. There's no cakes. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no, you know, big pecs. You know what I mean? I'm like, um, what happens is you've got a small town preacher, mm-hmm. the Reverend Jesse Custer gets uh pretty much uh possessed right possessed yeah imbued with this power of a being called genesis and he just has one power he can't fly real quick before i sorry to interrupt you no 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 but okay and this is in the first issue but where does genesis come from how was genesis born Mm -hmm. i guess Tell us about that. Because <laughs> so, yeah. this was something totally different, and it blew my <laughs> mind away when I found out how he was created. So, see him? Take yes. it away. So, Jess, uh, Genesis is the spawn, is the <laughs> love child of an angel and a demon. <laughs> yeah. So, an angel and a demon fuck, and yeah. they birth Genesis, Genesis, a new creature, something that was unheard of. It's an abomination, an right? Abomin- right, right. And it, it basically gets God finds out, doesn't like it, uh, imprisons it, mm-hmm. uh, but it bursts out because its power, we find out, we'll find out, <laughs> you know, I mean, is in a sense equal to God's. And it goes right into Jesse Custer. This, and see right there, just what CM said. I mean, it just sounds fucking weird already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, I got to keep looking these pages you as know, fast right as I away. can. <laughs> there's there's a a cre- uh, this being born from a demon and an angel, and God is so worried, God... That it locked him up in right. prison is Genesis. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so I mean right there that just gives you a hint of what the hell this is going to be about. <laughs> People are acting very non-traditional in the, in right in, out the gate. I believe the uh, issue one starts out with, uh, you know, a drunk preacher singing in the streets, a Willie Nelson song or whatever, you know what I mean? So um, that is just the tip of the freaking iceberg, though, guys, let me tell you, because it goes from there into all kinds of places. Um, I mean, you're before you know it, you're seeing people get their faces shot off, mm-hmm. uh, point blank range, their jaws hanging off. You're seeing uh, uh, an Irish vampire drinking a hard. Vampire. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, exactly. Now you're like, oh, now there's vampires in this book. Well, you know, I don't think we ever see any more vampires. It's just this one. Um, he doesn't even have fangs, as Jesse says at one point. And so he's just ripping into people's throats. But, uh, you know, he tells you, you know what I mean? He's not all, you know, Nosferatu, you know what I mean? Uh, he can get blood from a stake, a bloody-ass stake if he wants. Uh, he just can't pretty much go in the sun is the only thing. Um, he's a very likable character, very right. charming, you know what I mean? You can you can almost hear his Irish accent in the mm-hmm. way it's written. Um, you know, Garth Ennis, obviously an Irishman. Um, but he writes this uh, lad, Jesse Custer, very well, who is from Texas. Texas, yes. I, Another thing that right away appeals to me. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. like this school takes place in Texas. Yep. Um, the story starts out in Anvil. And by the time you're in uh, Until the End of the World, uh, the, the second of the collected books, and I'm going to kind of talk about them in that way because that's how I digested the mm-hmm. story. I got a, each trade that yeah, came so out. There's multiple arcs. There's about nine trades, but it is really one big story with a lot of kind of like underlying stories, but it is one gigantic story. Yeah. They're Hunt for God and all the way to when they actually do meet him. And just... It's all the stuff in between. Yeah. Jesse gets it in his mind that he wants to hold God accountable um, for really everything. Everything. You know, mm-hmm. things that, why isn't the world fucking better, a better place? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So he's like, well, I have the power to hold him accountable, so I'm going to. And we didn't get really into too much about, like I said, what Genesis does once it's inside of Jesse. But really what it does, it gives him what he calls the word. And mm-hmm. that essentially is the word of God. So basically, if 
I look at Adam and Adam right here and I say, stand on your head. Uh, he's going to turn upside down and stand on his head because mm-hmm. that's what the word does. You know what I mean? He at one point tells the sheriff to go fuck himself and, and he, he does. literally does sever his own penis <laughs> and fucks himself with it. So, yeah. so the power in itself is pretty damn groovy. But it's something, something that God is very terrified of in the book. Right. right. Very much so. So he's a sense, um, he's on the run. They're looking mm-hmm. for him because we find out from angels that God is missing and he's not in heaven. That's so, right. Yes, he is yeah. missing. <laughs> right. He went somewhere else. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so we've got, we've to got high from Jesse, right? Yeah, to exactly. Yeah. To hide yeah, yeah. from Jesse. Yeah. So, so you've got Jesse and then we've got uh, his, our hard drinking Irish buddy here named Cassidy. Cassidy. And we also meet uh, Jesse's love interest throughout the story, Tulip O'Hare, uh, Last name sounds Irish, but she's also American. <laughs> and she is just, in a sense, one of the most badass female she characters is. I've ever read. Um, she's super tough. She's uh, smart. She's handy with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, they get into it with her dad taught her to shoot. And, you know, she was just good like that, raised by a, a guy. Um, so uh, she was just pretty much badass. When, yeah. we, when we were introduced to her, she's uh, in the middle of doing a hit. You know what I mean? So she's uh, yeah. So you really don't know. So obviously she's like a hit woman, but also there's something going on between her and Jesse as well. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. kind of gets developed later. But you, there's an intense dislike she has for Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Which which all comes to light. Um, and uh, you know these are just some of the things in in book one that will really keep you going. Mm-hmm. Serial killers, I mean, uh, that's right. people in sex clubs, you know what yeah. I mean? Sexual investigators. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, all kinds of stuff going on with that. Um, you know, like I said, amidst all the violence. I mean, like I said, we're just, I think, still in book one. You know what I mean? You get to book two, you get to meet some other great characters. All the characters are so rich. That's yeah, what I love. And, and that's where you kind of really delve into kind of his origin, correct? Until the end of the world? Until the end of the world, yeah. That's where, where you is... kind of delve into his origin, Jesse's right. origin. Right? Jesse as a little boy. Okay. So, And we've made mention of kind of Preacher before and kind yes. of the, some of the similarities mm-hmm. it has to true romance because you'll see that Jesse mm-hmm. kind of has like an imaginary friend. <laughs> um, pretty much maybe like a conscience on his shoulder or whatever, mm-hmm. but it is in the form of John Wayne. Uh, it's the Duke. He's always kind of in shadow, which mm-hmm. is very cleverly done. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gives. Well, you him, can tell with the silhouette. silhouette. Yeah. yeah, and the way the the, the way the writing is written. Yeah, you know, exactly. Calls him Pilgrim, mm-hmm. things like yeah. that. Um, so that's very cool. And also in um, the second book, Until the End of the World, you get to meet Jesse's dad. I know one of your favorite characters. That is Preacher. my favorite character from Preacher, John Custer. Yes. Yeah. An ex-Marine. That's right. Yes. That's right. That was Vietnam. super cool to me, super cool to me because, you know, my dad being a uh, yes. uh, a former Marine, former Marine. Um, it's very, it's very very cool, like very mm-hmm. kind of hit close to home. So now I've got like all these things. I'm like, wow, it's like Texas and this guy's got a dad that's a Marine and you know what I mean? So I'm just like, I'm totally enthralled in the book but the opening of until the end of the world is pretty kind of shocking because it starts off i what i believe the execution of john that's right he's on his knees he has his scared face on his look and then jody which will cm will explain who that is mm-hmm. blows his head off right in front of little jesse custer I pretty mean, much yeah ooh, that's uh again that's something you didn't see at this point in comics i had never seen anything like that and i think you've got jesse you've got a single tear rolling out of his eye and i think the literal line he tells him is he calls him faggot you yeah know what i mean so yeah. it's like you're just like wow this some man just mm-hmm. blows away the kid's dad in front of him and then he calls him a faggot it's like what am I reading? Like this exactly. shit is so mm-hmm. fucking good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the story just gets better and better. It gets richer. The characters get richer. The villains are hilarious. And here's another thing, guys. I can't remember. This might have been the first comic book 
comic book, I mean, I hesitate to call it that, that I ever read that made me laugh out loud. Like, literally, before LOL was a thing, I was I was sitting in my room reading this on the side of my bed, and I'm just like laughing. And I'm like, oh my God, this shit is so fucking funny, too. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many like really comical, funny parts from the three of them riding in a car together, arguing over what to listen to on the radio, to, you know, Jesse calling into a, uh, a radio show using the word to get, you know, uh, pretty much like a right wing guy admit that he like, you know, loves gay sex. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's insane. There's so much shit in this book that is just, it's over the top. Um, I know that I think Kevin Smith wrote one of the forwards of one of the trades and he, you know, he talks about how famously he has a quote that's on the front uh, cover of the first trade, the initial trade, um, that says more fun than going to the movies. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, I mean, truly, when you talk about this to people, you know what I mean? I used to have conversations with your with your brother yes. uh, about the thing and people would be like, what movie are you talking about? We're like, we're not talking about a movie. We're talking about a book. <laughs> They're like, what oh, book boy. is that? You know what I mean? And we're just like, exactly. So once I got on, on board uh, from there, I mean, there's so many other great characters too. Yeah, so they run into like a storyline of like uh, Jesus's bloodline, which is again kind of like, okay, where are you going with this? Right, right. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't even – the the uh infamous humperdoo yeah <laughs> you know what i mean it's just written that way yeah you pretty much said well you get this group of guys you meet called the grail or pretty much the secret society that run the entire world yeah. like they've got mm-hmm. the president yes. as their bitch and pretty much everybody else and the the guy that's kind of leading the way is a, a german named hair star and uh, he's a total fucking lunatic, but <laughs> in just like the funnest possible but way. But he starts off, though, as a straight soldier, just, right. you know, willing right. to do whatever's necessary. Yeah, man, totally. And he pretty much dogs, uh, um, you know, Jesse Tulip and Cass throughout mm-hmm. the uh, throughout the story arc uh, with his own things going on. He's yeah. got his own cast of characters. Yeah, that... I mean, <laughs> Star goes through a shitload of stuff. Uh, he gets legs eating and his dick gets... Severed. Uh, severed. Uh, Jesse slices his bald head on the top to make it look like, like a, a dick. Penis, you know what I mean? When he deals with that, he gets raped too. <laughs> you know about the sexual investigators. So that poor star, you know, he really believes in the whole mission and. Uh, this journey just really twists him up to where at the end he doesn't even give a fuck about the grow anymore or Jesus's bloodline. He doesn't care about any of that anymore. <laughs> just pure vengeance by the <laughs> yeah. end. So, so um, you know, one of the things, I mean, like some of the things we're talking about here did appear in the show. People might be more familiar with that because mm-hmm. that was more recent. Mm-hmm. There was a show done by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Um, yeah. They were huge fans of Preacher. They got Garth Ennis's ble- blessing and they made a show. Only did four seasons. I watched all four seasons. But they ended it, right? They, them two, though. No, but them two, they they had a plan, right? It was to only go from this season to this season, right? It um, wasn't it wasn't supposed to go any longer, right? Yeah, I think I think so. I haven't read too much about that for to be for certain whatever, but I don't know if they wanted to do more or not. But you know, I guess AMC kind of pulled the plug. I think it would have been really perfect on HBO or Amazon yes. Prime. Yes. I mean, we saw what what uh uh the boys. Eric Kripke did with the boys yes. on Prime, and it's like yes. that's what Preacher was. It needed that. It needed, it needed to, to be able yes. to say fuck. It needed to yes. be able to show tits, and it needed to be able to have people getting their fucking blood and everything. Off, you know? Yeah, and and the show is very very different. If you're a fan of the show and you like the show, that's great. I like the show, and I'm a yes. fan of the show. Sam did like it. Yes, um, but it's very separate from the book. I know that you're loving I, the book, but did yeah, not care for the show. I did not care for the show at all, especially when they did it with John. 
I was like, I right. <laughs> yeah. They, they totally changed that character and made him different in a way that I didn't care for either. But I tell you, I'll tell you guys this, if you treat them separately, you can enjoy them in okay. their, in their own right. But, okay. um, you know, I, I've said this before on the show, but like, you know, I take my podcasting name, CM Chuck from the wrestler, CM Punk, uh, who you got me to be into Adam. And I, uh, you know, love that guy. Well, I got to see him at my first big con. And we talked about that. Whatever. I went to his panel and they asked him favorite book of all time. And he said, preacher. Oh, so that nice. to me was very, very, very nice. fucking cool to hear. Um, and again, if you ever get a chance to leaf through a couple of issues. Um, and if I know you, and you live in San Antonio and you want to borrow a book, I'm, I'm here to help you out because that's how damn good it is. I promise you won't be able to put it down. It's, amazing from beginning to end it really is you folks. Know. it really is it's a beautiful book yeah it's my most book i go back to that i've reread the most times i do not ever not enjoy reading it i'm huge on something has to have either re-readability or re-watchability mm-hmm. and uh preacher has it in droves man in droves another really cool thing before i get done talking here about preacher is that the last arc of the story is called alamo and it literally oh, yeah. takes place right here in San Antonio where we're from. <laughs> and, you know, one of the key climaxes happens right in front of the Alamo. And I've never told this story to anybody. Um, the only thing, the only one that probably knows is my mom is because she drove me when I was a kid. But when I got to the end of the run, I held off on reading the last issue. I waited. Uh, your brother, who was reading it alongside mm-hmm. me, we caught mm-hmm. up. He'd already read it. And he was like, man, when are you going to finish? Because I want to talk about it. I was literally savoring the moment. I was holding off on reading it because I wanted to. I wanted it to be special. Because I, I knew that this book had already got a place in my heart, and these characters had a mm-hmm. place in my heart. Uh, the Saint of Killers, we didn't yeah. get to really talk mm-hmm. about that much yet, but um, he's just an amazing character. But I said, you know, I really want to read this and in this in my own way. Uh, she drove me at about six in the morning with her then boyfriend uh, to the Alamo, and I sat in front of the Alamo, empty out there in the morning, and I just sat and I read that one last issue Very nice. and kind of just sat there. Pretty much the sun was almost coming up, and I read it by like you know the the dawning of light, just like wow. You know, because I knew I wasn't going to see these yeah. characters anymore. Yeah. And, you know, he's never, you know, I got to see them in show version. Yeah, very yeah. different. But I never <laughs> got to go back and revisit those characters except when I reread the arc again. Nice. But uh, that, that nice. truly me is when you, when I did something like that as a younger man, as this, you know, to kind of keep that special to me, I was like, man, I'm reading the last issue of Alamo, <laughs> my favorite comic book of all time, Preacher, right here in front of where it's happening or whatever. You know what I mean? So, and I guess the cherry on top would be uh, when we actually got to meet the man himself, huh? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You posted those pictures recently on, yes. on our uh, now, I was I was excited, but CM was super excited, super pumped up. Yeah, man. I, I talked briefly, and uh, I think I, I – commented mm-hmm. as myself on there but um yeah that was a, like a really tough time in my life that i was going yes. through but we took time mm-hmm. out to go and do that anyway i had some really cool moments during kind of a dark three month period whatever and that was definitely one of two highlights the other one i got to meet you know uh new england patriots tight end rock Gronkowski. house that's right very that's cool right. too yeah. but um i'd say garth and just didn't even top that because that was uh yeah. the guy uh heroes and fantasies a local comic book store uh hosted him um like you know it was like crazy, like wow, you know, Garth Ennis yeah. is fucking coming. You know what I mean? We yeah, gotta go to this. We went uh hours before the the store even opened, and me and CM were the first two, one and two, to meet Garth Ennis. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> um, we also too we're huge fans of Ennis's run on the Punisher. Yes. So there was multiple uh, things we were eager to Judge Dredd, Constantine. I mean, the the dude's just fabulous. Yeah, Hitman. Uh the movie Constantine is based on his story arc that's right that's so, right yeah you, you know go back and check out a lot of his other stuff yeah Garden is my favorite comic book writer of all time um easily because because again he delivers to me so often mm-hmm. his work speaks to me. i read a lot of his war story books that are very mm-hmm. serious mm-hmm. but they're very well written as about a guy that um 
you know, I don't know if he's got friends or if he served, uh, but the war story stories are very real, hard-hitting war stories as well. Nice. But um, to kind of wrap up my my part of the show about Preacher, my favorite book of all time, um, Roxanne, I would say definitely pick up a copy. I would tell anyone if you've never yeah. read it, you will not be you, you will not be losing money to invest in ordering a mm. trade on Amazon. Um, I promise you, you'll just keep going. But Preacher, absolute favorite book of all time for me. Very um, nice. Very nice. Adam Antim, Adam. I'm going to need you to adrenalize me now and hit me with what is your okay. story. So Spider-Man has been around for decades. Uh, my Still my favorite story is The Craven's Last Hunt, written by James DeMathis and Mike Zeck and Bob McCloud. Um, this is a story. It's, a, it's, again, one of those stories that it's very dark. It's a dark story. Right off the bat, uh, you can tell something's really fucking with Craven. He's really training really hard. And, you know, he's past 70. He's already over 70 years old. Okay. <clears throat> doesn't look like it last thing he needs needs to do and it keeps torturing him is he needs to beat spider-man spider-man is always bested him yeah. and the first issue he gets prepared and there's like a drawing of a guy digging a grave and you're like what the fuck's going on yeah um he hunts spider-man and you know right off the bat he doesn't waste time he shoots him with a trank and then shoots him with a some sort of tranquilizer that knocks out spidey you know it paralyzes him he's out he's like in a coma and Craven buries him and buries him alive. He buries him at yeah. his mansion. He takes him back to Craven's, you know, mansion manor uh, and buries him. And the last scene of that issue one is Craven kind of sobbing, but then laughing hysterically. Yeah. You know, and you're like, whoa, he just beat Spider-Man. Like, yeah. Clean. You yeah. Know? I think on the cover, it says here like Spider-Man. Is it like that in the book? He has an actual great yes. here. Like yeah. Spider-Man. He had everything. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I, I don't want to interrupt you, no, uh, no, Adam, no, but um, one of the things I want to say that, you know, um, if you don't know who Craven the Hunter is, he's one of Spider-Man's many rogues galleries, mm-hmm. but he's one of the ones that's never been touched on by the movies yet, um, at all. And I, that's one that I always waited to see. My dad is a huge Craven fan. Oh, he's also, okay. you know, Man, Craven, you know, okay. Sergei Kravenov, you know, a Russian. Russian aristocrat. A Russian aristocrat mm-hmm. and, a, and a, a master hunter, hunted everything from... Yep. Anything he's hunting wild beasts, everything he's all conquered all of them. Yeah, and conquered all of them. You know what I mean? So this was the 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 final game, but it eluded him. You know what I mean? And I I feel like he'll be great when they do eventually translate him to movies. I hope that they will. But um, I yeah, hope so too. And you can tell in the book one that he's he already has that look like he's just ravaged. He's tired. Uh, so book two, he okay at the end of the first one, he beats him. Book two, he did he gets the costume. He gets his own costume. Uh, and starts wanting to be even better than Spider-Man himself. And uh, there's a scene where Mary Jane's going to be attacked. He's pretty much implied that she's going to get raped. And he comes along and beats these guys savagely. So now tell me, again, we're dealing with here, what people might not know, is the all-black costume Spider-Man. Yes, it's the all-black costume, which is really cool. And Mike Zeck is the one who created that black costume. This is before Venom or anything. Yeah, this isn't a symbiote costume. It's just a black costume. It's just a black costume. Okay. And so he goes on a rampage and, you know, they say later on, like, he sent 50, 15 people, you know, to the hospital yeah, where they know something's not right. And Mary Jane gets really freaked out. She goes to Robbie's house, Robbie Robertson. Robbie Robertson. And uh, that's when she realizes that he doesn't know Peter Spider-Man. So she kind of leaves his apartment quick. Okay. But now she's really worried because Peter's been missing. Yeah. And, you know, obviously she saw someone dress like him, move like him, but is not him because he yeah. fucked people up. Craven's running around here in his black costume or yes. whatever, you know what I mean? If you yes. know Craven, I mean, he's very 
beautifully drawn. Uh, initially, he's got this like big lion, yes, as pretty much like a lion's mm -hmm. head, like as like he wears like a vest almost. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, he's got the animal print stuff going or whatever, and just yes. a buff, jacked guy. And, and the way Mark Zeck draws him, he draws him great. Uh, he just looks fabulous. He yeah, looks we're fabulous. looking at the covers right now, yes. and they're just beautiful. Uh, issue three, um, he hunts for someone that Spider Man cannot beat on his own. It was someone that he actually had Captain America help him with. His name is Vermin. I'm not too familiar with this Marvel villain, uh, but it was just, I mean, they stressed so much that it took Spider-Man and Captain America to beat this guy. Yeah. I mean, Spidey's pretty damn strong in his own right. Exactly. I mean, and you got Cap on exactly. top of that. This guy's got to be somebody. And again, I'm not too familiar. I feel like we know yeah. our Marvel characters pretty yeah. well, but Vermin wasn't someone that I, mean, I would yeah. really be concerned about. Me neither. But apparently... Yeah. Craven says otherwise and wants to go find yeah, out. Yeah, and so there's his storyline too, Vermin. So he's kind of a, uh, going on this kind of a killing spree. Uh, he's living in the sewers and he's kind of grabbing people and eating them. Um, so Craven, <laughs> you know, Craven takes some extra jungle potions, herbs, everything, and goes out and him and Vermin proceed to have a very violent fight okay there's even a scene where they both look at each other and they growl at each other <laughs> you know like where Craven's he's way more savage than spider-man's ever gonna be and he just proceeds to beat the shit out of vermin and all Bad. this he's in the he's in the black suit. yes and okay. he's in the black suit and craven takes a moment to kind of stand there over his victory and kind of like oh, i did it yeah. i beat you know this man that the spider had so much trouble with yeah you know i conquered him and the next page it's him carrying vermin out of the sewer and taking him back to the manor but it's a savage fight it's a real savage fight it's in the sewer and he just like again proceeds to beat the shit out of vermin so craven's not doing the whole spidey thing he's not taking him to the police station he's no. like i gotta mount this no. kill this is my, my well, he's not a, a kill trophy. he's not it's not a kill he's just taking him and you're okay. kind of left to wonder okay what the hell right right okay so the fourth story comes along and this is the one where the classic cover of Spider-Man coming out of the grave. Yeah. It's a very iconic cover. People have probably seen it all over the place. In issue four, Spider-Man finally wakes up from his coma, uh, realizes how long he's been out, and proceeds to beat the shit out of Kraven's security. Okay. Nice. And, you know, Kraven's nowhere to be found, so he goes home and where Mary Jane, he embraces Mary Jane. They've been married, barely, barely been married. Okay. And she embraces him, and it's implied that they have sex. Hmm. Now, she kind of spooks him. And this is kind of where it's kind of different seeing Spidey. Uh, she wakes up, like, sometime in the morning. He's scared. Obviously, he still has the what's happened to him, you know, dark. And he's he looks at Mary Jane, and you can tell he puts on his suit, and that's when he says, they don't even have to say to each other. They just look at each other, and he just gets out of the window. Nice. Let's yeah. take a little pause. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for hanging tight through that, guys. Adam, 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 please carry on. Okay, so yeah, that scene is very great. Um, it shows like him and Mary Jane where they've been together for a long time. And she has this concern face, but she also knows this is something that Peter has to do. Yeah. He has to go out and confront Craven because what he did to Spider-Man was very traumatic. 
Dude, buried so, him alive. Yeah, man. exactly. <laughs> I mean, he beat him, buried him alive. He cost him two weeks of his life. Yeah. Okay, so obviously Spider-Man's pretty pissed off. Um, you get to book five, and this is the confrontation finally from, like, book one. Okay. Finally. Yeah. Um, he confronts Craven, and right away he just starts attacking Craven hard. And Craven's not fighting back anymore. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And Craven's like, interesting. Yeah. And so Craven's like, I did it. I beat you. I, I, I conquered you. I conquered you. I conquered you being Spider Man. You know? And he takes off, he proceeds to strip naked in front of Spider Man, put on his clothes, the, the clothes you were just describing, the Craven outfit, the yeah. Craven outfit and leads him downstairs to where he's holding Berman in the cage. And, you know, he's saying, look, this is what I did, what you couldn't do. Um, and then he proceeds to shock him, to burn him, and then to gold Vermin into saying, look, I got your man right here. This is the one that beat you so savagely, you know, on the last issue, which was Craven. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're stronger than him. You can beat him. And so Vermin's face goes from absolute terror to absolute piss where he's angry. Yeah. And then right at the last second, Craven unlocks, unlocks that cage and sets him loose on Spider-Man. Interesting. At first, Spider-Man's like he holds his own because he's fighting with a lot of anger until he realizes he's going too far, and that's where Vermin starts getting the upper hand. Ah. Just as he's about to start really dominating on Spider-Man, Craven throws a knife right in his hand, Vermin's hand, and tells Vermin to you know pretty much fuck off. Okay. Know? Okay. And Spider-Man's like, "Why do you do that for? You know he's a, a serial killer. Yeah. You know he goes because I know you're going to go after him. And Spider-Man, so he gave kind of. He leaves Spider-Man in bad position. Spider-Man, he knows Spider-Man wants to fuck him up. Yeah. But he can't let Vermin out there because Vermin is a serial killer. He's been killing all these people. Exactly. So Craven goes, go, follow your conscience. He goes, I'm a man of my word. I'm never going to hunt again. And Spider-Man, you know, he's in his windowsill and he looks at Craven. He gives him that look. And then he proceeds to get on out of there. And after that, they show Craven. They go back to Craven. He puts on his robe. He has like a nice cigar, cigar, and it's something very interesting. It's something that's played in. There's a line that goes through the whole series. He talks about his family, but the one line that it goes, they said my mother was insane. And then he proceeds. You see a shotgun. He's in. He's sitting down in his coffin already, and proceeds to blow his brains out. Holy shit! Yeah, wow. he's satisfied. He's a satisfied man at this point. Yeah, at he, this point, suicide was still considered kind of like an honorable thing. It wasn't like right, you know, right, a, a coward's way out. It was I did it. I beat everything. I, I have mean, nothing yeah. left to prove. Yeah, you said it right there that he pretty much told Spidey, "Well, I've, I've bested you. Yeah. I've become you and yes. bested you. Yes, and I have nothing. And I, I was satisfied. I'm, I'm a he was yeah, my, at peace, full of life. You know yes. What I mean? uh, so then you get to the conclusion. Um, and it's Spider-Man hunting vermin. Uh, he does finally find him in the sewer. And they proceed to have a big battle, and um, it's pretty even until vermin starts kind of getting the upper hand a little bit. It isn't until Spider-Man leads him out of the sewer, and it's sunlight that okay. vermin gets like, ah, you know, okay. and they arrest him. And he says uh, at the end, he goes, you know, I have a friend named Reed Richards that can probably help you. Okay, cool. So I don't nice. know what happens to vermin. Uh, after that, I'm not too sure. Uh, okay. I can't say that. Okay. And it shows Spider-Man kind of going back um, to home with Mary Jane, where they embrace very passionately. 
Okay. Um, okay, now they got a lot of heat, obviously, uh, CM, because of the suicide part. Yeah, like, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I mean, you know, we're talking about the last issue with Berman, yes. and, you know, we obviously think we know Spider-Man's going to get his guy. Yes. But, um, you know, it's always, you know, as a comic book fan, always how do they do it? But I'm going to, I've got to ask you, uh, you know, Adam, does, does, um, does Spider-Man have to kind of reconcile with, with, what happened with Craven? Obviously, he finds yeah, out. Or so, so obviously, you know, with the suicide thing, they wrote a sequel to his uh, story arc. It's called Soul of the Hunter. It's a one shot. Okay. And it's months after this event. And uh, he he's still fucked up about it. It's still very traumatic. Uh, sure. he, in the beginning, he goes to a friend's, uh, his mom, his friend's mom passed away. And he goes to see the mom in the coffin. This is like a childhood friend. So, okay. you know, he's not the mom. And he keeps having flashbacks of him wow. in the coffin, you know, and he's sweating. He's sweating bad. Mary Jane knows there's something wrong. He brushes her off. He says, there's nothing wrong. You just need to get some air. Mm-hmm. He changes into a Spider-Man outfit. He goes doing Spider-Man stuff. And uh, there's some boys stuck in a hole. Well, he goes down there. And again, he starts having, he starts freaking out bad. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts seeing himself digging himself out of that grave and the kids are like, man, what's going on? What's going on? Spider-Man finally has to tell Mary Jane, look, this is, uh, it's still bothering me. She goes, well, of course it is. You know, you yeah. got buried alive, Yeah, you know, for two weeks you were underground, you know? Um, and then this story kind of has a supernatural element. So again, with the suicide thing, they took a lot of heat for this. Marvel. Marvel mm-hmm. and the uh, JM. I would imagine. Yeah. Would imagine. So this yeah. kind of like um, his spirit comes to Spider-Man. And, you know, he's like, you know, what the hell's going on? And you see like a Grim Reaper kind of looking dude. And he tells him that, um, you know, Craven's not resting. You guys were so bonded in life that you're the only one that can possibly set him free. So he, so he goes to a cemetery where like a corpse of Craven comes, Craven comes out. I've seen that cover. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he shows them all the suicides. They're all tormented. It's like a whole ring of suicides. Mm They're just tormented and Craven's one of them. And he has a battle, but it's also a psychological battle as well with him. So he's battling Craven's corpse. He's fighting for Craven's soul at the same time. And he's fighting himself almost. Right. He finally does it. He finally proves Craven's better. Uh, you know, and he, you know, beats him, says, you know, I'm not a coward. I want to live. And that was it. He was done with that battle there. You know, the corpse Craven. Right. And then him and the Craven spirit embrace. He walks up to Spider-Man and he gives him a big embrace where he's finally going to be resting in peace. So it's a very dark story, one and two. It's I think it's a fantastic arc. I think it's probably the best arc of any Spider-Man villain. Yeah. Um, like I said, right off the bat, when you read the first issue, it's just you know something's different. You know something else is going on. It's a different Spider-Man arc. Yeah. You know, it's not some crazy dude killing people. It's something very psychological of Spider-Man. Right. Very deep. Right. Yeah. And this is the the. Uh... This saga, you said, is the first that takes place through yeah, Spider-Man. So, Spider-Man had like several books going on at one yeah, time, Yeah, right? so he had uh, – on this one, he had The Web, he had Web Amazing, and he had Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. Okay. And right. JM was on Twitter saying how this was the first time a story arc had actually went into all three books, which is now 
very common very place. common yeah, you've got to be you have to buy every damn multiple issue titles now. yeah yeah and uh, so th- the writer and artist team are the ones who uh, liked yes their which i was very excited about yeah, um sure. we shared what uh, you know the stuff and the i also tweeted him and he liked it too saying i think this is just the best spider-man arc it has everything it has a, a great villain it has the black costume it has love in there it has tragedy in there Definitely. It has redemption in there. Definitely. You know, all at the same time. So it's a great story arc. It, I, this is the one Spider-Man story that I always pick up. I always read. And I would sub- really recommend this story to all of you. And it's available in trade. Okay. It's just, you know, this one. It's called Craven's Last Hunt. It's available in trade. So, uh-huh. it's, you know, it's very easy to pick up this one and just read all those six issues. It sounds super amazing. So let me ask you something. Do you know, is it the same writer, uh, artist team that did the yes, Soul of the is. Hunter? Yes. So they came back. Yes. So I got to say something. Hearing you talk about this, you know, and I don't want to stir the pot and create controversy, but I really like the way you say that the initial arc ended, you know, Craven's Last Hunt mm-hmm. with kind of him having his own piece mm-hmm. and a sense Spider-Man takes the L and it's like, Hey, yeah. that's it. You're out here, whatever. Again, I'm sure he finds out and I'm sure that I would want to know how does Spider-Man reconcile with that knowledge, but you know that, wow, he took his life or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, what well, you know, like I, I wouldn't find Craven being a tormented soul at the end of that. Would you? It didn't seem like it, but I think because of all the hate mail that they got, yeah. I'm guessing that they had to put that kind of like a, uh, what is it, Christianity in there? Like I guess kind of, so. You know, if you take your life, that's the greatest sin you can ever do. Yeah. You, is to take your take the life that God gave you. you right. Know? It's right. funny that we talk about God in this one. Uh, and I, yeah, exactly. Our, so. Two times. Inter- yeah, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the parallels. Yeah. Well, you know, I know that we see like, you know, the samurai, you know what I mean? Well, exactly. in his life, if he's dishonored, yeah. it almost sounds to me like Craven was ending his life because he's like, I have nothing else. And that's what I'm saying. He I- was I'm born. Fulfilled. Yeah, he was born in a different era. When he was in Russia as a boy, the czar was still ruling. This is before Lenin. This is before Stalin. The Soviets. This is when the czar was still there. Yeah. And suicide was considered an honorable thing sometimes, you know, very honorable or just, hey, you know what? I'm not going to get captured. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know? it sounds to me like Craven went out like Jordan with the yeah. Bulls at the yeah. end with a, with the championship and on top. Yeah. But then they kind of did this other story because of Heat and he got Jordan with the Wizards. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah. I mean, like, it's nice. That's a nice story for that part or whatever. But shit, to me, it sounds almost better to end it like that where you're like, I, I bested you. And it's like, you know, yeah. again, you take, Spider-Man took a true L against, in this instance, a more, you know, vicious opponent. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. And that's what he is in this whole arc. He is super vicious. Yeah. And uh, I did feel like it was a complete story. Um, but, I mean, I guess if you can say, you know, Spider-Man's your number one seller. Everyone's reading it. And then, right, like I said, right. it was suicide. You really didn't see suicide. Yeah. Um, I don't know ever. I can't think of no, anyone really. Where, I mean, and, and it shows, too, where, like, he points the gun. In the shadow, he has the gun in his mouth. And then the other scene that they show, the blood's everywhere. I mean, to sit in your I own mean, coffin <laughs> when you do it. What a yeah. fucking badass, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but yeah, I mean, I think, it, again, I think it's cool. I mean, I, it makes me wonder. I wonder if he would have, this is something we should tweet him, right? Uh, double A, and say, hey, would you have written Soul of the Hunter without the heat? You know what I mean? Like, did it need that's to be fair, said? Yeah, that's Because good. I feel like it has. But see, again, I, I get why Marvel did teach. Mm-hmm. could take heat because it's almost like you're saying, well, you're saying once you accomplish all your goals, yeah. and then you, it's okay to blow your brains out because yeah. you've done it all. You know what I mean? And see, this is the thing for me and you as older 
we, we see it differently. But right. yeah, I guess you can say it for a seven year old kid. Um, sure. Who shouldn't be reading maybe this version of Spider Man yeah, anyway? Like, but, <laughs> um, you know, is this, you know, if I win everything, should I blow my brains out? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it still is comic books and it still is Spider Man and the kid it, is yeah. grabbing these at the time off of a spinning rack in a convenience store. You don't know you're in for this heavy ass story, you know what I mean? I mean, just the covers too. They're so much different than any other Spider-Man kind of comics. It's Spider-Man looks scared on issue one, and Craven's yeah. victorious on issue two, mm -hmm. and you know issue three, it's him, and you can tell it's different. It's not Spider-Man. Then you got four where he's getting out of the grave. Five, it's him and Spider-Man in this basement or mm -hmm. whatever it is with all these heads animal heads and then six it's spider-man and vermin and yeah it's just it's very dark it's a very dark story arc but i think it's the best story arc and it really makes craven i think it really ascended him to one of spidey's top five road galleries oh that's very that's yeah. a very i mean that's how there. big this story arc yeah. was for me so yeah and again you know craven is a guy that some of you out there might not be familiar with he's a guy that i've known mm -hmm. he came out in the old 90s cartoon it was a pretty lot. cool yes. there mm -hmm. you know what i mean and again my knew my dad always thought that craven was cool and uh seen enough of craven to think like yeah this guy's you know pretty badass whatever but um when they eventually do and i'm sure that they will and all the various versions of spider-man we have in you know, film will eventually get Craven, and uh, if they do him right, yeah. he's almost like you know, kind of like what Bane was to Batman in mm -hmm. Dark Knight. Yes, uh, Rises, exactly. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? This was a big moment. He buried Spider Man. He beat yeah. and buried Spider Man. Yeah, very yeah. much so, man. I mean, um, I want to say this. You convinced me. This is a story that I was semi familiar with. Definitely, the Craven suicide thing was something that I remember was in in my in my memory, or whatever. But I don't think I've ever sat through and actually read it all the way through. So I'm definitely gonna probably take double A's issues right here uh, <laughs> when I go home and, and read through these as well as solo the hunter. Cause I would like to see it. It's awesome that they brought back the original team to do that. Yes. So. Uh, it was great. Uh, only those guys could do this. So Absolutely. great on them. Okay. Well, I hope that we got a chance here to kind of delve in yeah. to um, Adam and Adam's favorite story and, you know, my favorite story. So we've got uh, Craven's last hunt uh, takes place through, over six issues, mm -hmm. six issues. Um, throughout yeah. Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, Peter Amazing. Parker, Peter Parker. Amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then with me, uh, Preacher, um, you know, 66 issues, 75 total. The side issues are great. Every Guys, pick up the character. story. You'll, you'll like it from issue one. Yeah. I mean, and in my story, a guy also puts a shotgun in his mouth, but when he does <laughs> it, he ends up with an asshole for a mouse and they call him our space. So two very different stories, but for uh, CM Chuck and this is unbreakable. It has been just another Friday night, guys. Uh, stay out there. Stay, stay safe, ass. please, too. Yeah, stay safe. We know things are opening up. Texas open, so yeah, please stay safe. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Oh, and by the way, if uh, wherever you're listening to us, if you are listening to us, um, chances are it's maybe on Spotify, which we're on now. But if, if not, um, you can now get us on Apple iTunes. You can get us on Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere. Radio Stitcher, Cloud, SoundCloud, yeah, Stitcher. Anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts, we're there. Um, so please, and, whatever And format. hit us up to you on the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. CM made it really easy. It's at J-A-F-N Podcast for all three. Yeah. So hit us up. Yeah, we're there. And you can also search Just Another Friday Night on Instagram or Facebook, and we'll come up. And also you can search that on Twitter, and we should come up by that. So we're on all three of those social media formats. So please uh, – Stop by and tell us what you think about the stories in the show. And uh, we'll be back doing it again next week. All right. All right. Good night.